Welcome to the Messy Wonderful Podcast, where we're spilling all the deets on how we travel with little kids and a bigger family, plus tons of insight into our family's adjustment to our oldest son's diagnosis with autism at age three. Hey y'all, I'm Kimberly, wife, mom to three kids ages five and under, full-time CPA, and now blogger. So grab your coffee, glass of wine, it's a Diet Dr. Pepper for me, and let's do those dishes, the laundry, chauffeur those kids around, or whatever you have on your task list today. We'll do it together because life may be messy, but it's oh so wonderful. (laughs) Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Messy Wonderful Podcast. Today, we are talking about nine critical steps when planning a Disney World trip. And there is no question that planning a trip to Disney World can be overwhelming. And honestly, it's only gotten worse now that everything is being done digitally. The crowds have gotten larger. Like there is seriously no slow season anymore, y'all. It's become super expensive. And now we're still factoring in COVID-19 regulations. So I wanted to take this episode to walk you through some of the basics for planning a Disney World trip. You'll definitely want to keep these in mind before you leave for your vacation. And honestly, forgetting one of these steps could derail your trip. And I've just read too many unfortunate stories of that happening recently. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for the parents, for the kids, for your wallets, all of it. So let's jump right in. The first thing is picking dates. So like I mentioned before, there is really no slow season at Disney World anymore. They used to have sales during value season way back when I was young, and that was typically when my family would go. An example of this was usually like the early October through mid-November timeframe, but now you have the Food and Wine Festival at Epcot. You have Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, um, which was pre-COVID. I think it might've turned into Boobash now, But basically, Disney has created events during these slow seasons to drive guests in. So what does that mean for you? When you're planning a Disney trip, I think that you should start with whatever date works best for your family and your schedule. Yes, you can go during slower times, like early to mid-November is still going to be less busy than the summer, and that will help you. But you need to make sure that this trip works for you and your family schedule. And also think about the weather. We are not people who want to be miserable in the heat. And y'all, we're from New Orleans. So I mean, we're pretty used to it. But that's just not something that we're interested in. Some Something about waiting in a one-hour line is made infinitely worse when it's 100 degrees outside. So that's the first thing, picking your dates. Next is the reservation system. So once you've decided on some possible dates for your family, you need to go look at Disney's theme park reservation system. Disney implemented this system when they reopened after the initial start of the pandemic. I'm not really a fan. I sort of miss the old days of just waking up and saying, let's go to this park today. But it doesn't sound like this system is going anywhere anytime soon. So I want you to know that you must purchase a park ticket and reserve a park through the reservation system to be able to enter a park on a given day. So that's where we see a lot of people forgetting and missing this step is they buy the tickets, but they forget to go and reserve their park for that specific day. And it's really important. You want to check it before you buy your tickets or you know book everything because you don't want the parks to already be sold out. 
Next is transportation and rentals. So you may or may not already know, but starting January 2022, Disney no longer has its Magical Express, which is its bus transportation from Orlando International Airport to its on-property resorts. This was free, if you want to say, because it's already been included in everything you've paid for if you were staying on Disney property. Even when the Magical Express existed back in twenty early 2021, we used Tiffany Town Car and that was a private service. They actually met us inside the baggage claim. They helped us load up the bags. They had car seats available because literally going to and from the airport was the only time that we needed car seats. And they allowed us to have a 30-minute stop at Publix on the way to our hotel. No extra cost. And Publix is an amazing grocery store if you've never experienced it. We had it when we lived in Auburn and Atlanta and we miss it so much. We could probably spend more than 30 minutes in there. So, you know, if you're driving, you don't have to worry about, about anything related to this transportation. You could also rent a car if you're flying into the airport. It's a really expensive option right now. As I record this in early 2022, uh, there's a shortage of rental cars. So it's making it really expensive and hard to come by. So that's, that's a really expensive option right now. But I also want you to know that Disney resorts now charge for on-site overnight parking, even for hotel guests. And it's different rates depending on the level of hotel that you're staying at. But if you choose to drive your car from the resort on property that you're staying at to one of the parks, you don't have to pay for parking at the theme park that day. We also really recommend booking a stroller rental if you're flying It's such a game changer for us. It's one less thing to worry about while we're juggling all the kids. We've actually used Kingdom Stroller the last three times we've gone. They've dropped off to the hotel twice and we've picked up at the airport the last time. That was a new offering. So literally while Chance was going and starting to get the luggage, he took one kid. I took two kids. We went and picked up the stroller. I strapped the two kids in and then we had our stroller. So it was super great. And then we just dropped it back off at the airport on our way back. Okay. Weather considerations. I kind of touched on this when I was talking about dates, but y'all, we live in New Orleans, Louisiana, which has pretty similar weather to Orlando. We are 100% used to the heat and humidity and rapidly changing weather situations. If you live up North, Orlando is going to be so tough for you in the height of summer. We think it's miserable and we're so used to that weather. South Florida, maybe I should just say the entire deep south, is also known for random showers during the summer months. So you might think, oh, that's great. We're going to cool off. But really consider your footwear strategically, carry your ponchos, be prepared. And if you're going during the winter months, say like, December through early to mid-March, the weather can really swing in different directions. And y'all, I use the term winter really loosely. But when I say swing, I mean one day it's 37 degrees when you wake up and two days later, it's 75 degrees when you wake up. So you have to be really strategic about how you pack clothing-wise and what you prepare yourself for and what you choose to bring with you to the parks each day it's like a whole thing. And here's my hint, layers are key if you're going during those times of year. Lodging is another critical step. First, your first question is on property or off property? We've done both. 
Growing up, my family always stayed on property, Port Orleans for life, y'all. But we were a family of four and, you know, things were cheaper back then. And while I love staying on property because you're truly immersed in everything Disney, I mean, it's it's just magical and you can't replicate that feeling off property. We're a family of five, soon to be six. And the standard hotel rooms don't really fit us. And I'm not paying for two rooms right now, especially while the kids are so little. So that was one of the main reasons we decided to become DVC members, Disney Vacation Club members, through the resale market, which was cheaper than buying through Disney directly. I really wanted us to be back on property, but we needed to find a more cost-effective way to do it. And you actually don't need to be DVC members to stay in a DVC room. You can buy rental points from DVC members who aren't using theirs for the current year. They'll put them up for rent. But when I've run the numbers on that, you can definitely still rent points cheaper than paying cash for a hotel room. Plus, you get so much more space. We've also stayed at the Hilton Grand Vacations properties a few times um, when my parents had some extra points. And all of those are great properties as well and pretty close to all of the theme parks. I've seen lots of people staying at the Airbnb, at Airbnbs in the Orlando area, especially if they're not doing just Disney, like maybe they're doing Universal Studios and, and there are actually other, tons of other Orlando attractions. So the only thing I would say is like, make sure you grab one with a pool if you're going, especially during the summer months, because that's like part of the fun of going to Orlando, Florida. Okay. The next thing you need to know is about the My Disney Experience app. You're going to do everything through the My Disney Experience app. And you'll definitely want to make sure that you download it on your phone because that's where you're going to be able to see all of your Disney reservations from hotel to dining to theme parks. That's where you're going to make any changes that you might need to or want to. It can be um, your room key if you're staying on property, mobile orders when you're at the um, quick service restaurants within the theme parks. You can look at the restaurant menus for sit down ahead of time. You check the ride wait times on there and it'll even give you directions around the parks. So this is something that you have to have. I have a love-hate relationship with it. It's been having a lot of bugs recently and I kind of, sometimes I like to be a little more present with my kids and not on my phone the whole time. But unfortunately, you really, really need to have this app and be ready to use it on your phone while both ahead of time and the days that you're at the parks. Dining. You can make dining reservations 60 days from your first park reservation or check-in date if you're staying on property. Dining has been so hard to come by since the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a variety of reasons, but just just know ultimately you need to be ready to hop on the morning of that 60-day mark and grab whatever you can. Have your top choices and backup choices ready to go. Know what parks you'll be at so that you can be strategic about what you're choosing and and y'all just like really be ready because it is it is hard nowadays. Mouse dining alerts is a great alternative. We actually have it set for our upcoming vacation. I've had a few pings, but I've heard that these alerts are, you get more as your trip gets closer because people start shifting and shuffling and canceling like as it gets closer. So 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 far I have enough options with the free plan so I'm not paying for the mouse dining alerts but if you if you need more maybe if you're having a longer trip and you have more days there is a small fee that you can do more. But in the three times that we visited since COVID this will be our fourth time coming up. We've done more quick service and less sit down restaurants 
And that's really not been a problem. We've also driven there the last time. So we had our car and sometimes we eat dinner off property at a, you know, at a local restaurant or back at the condo because in our opinion, you can't go wrong with picking up some pizza on your way back to the condo and just having a chill night. So Magic Kingdom always tends to be our longest day. So I want to give you an example of what dieting could look for us. We'll do breakfast at the condo. We'll bring lunch with us. And y'all, it's nothing fancy. I'm talking Uncrustables for the kids, maybe Lunchables if that's what they prefer. We'll pick up public subs, pub subs for uh, Chance and me. And then we'll eat dinner at the park using a quick service. So not only have we saved money, we've saved ourselves the headache of you know, reservations and me stressing over that. And we still get to, I love, I like a lot of Disney food. So I still get a little bit of Disney food that day for dinner. COVID-19, let's talk about it. Right now, masks are required at all indoor locations for guests ages two and up, regardless of vaccination status. And this includes the indoor ride queues, buses, monorails, Skyliners, stores at Disney Springs, all of that. Disney is really strict on this, y'all. So make sure if you're bringing a little one who's two, three, that they can handle it. Unlike on an airplane where you can sometimes get by with letting them eat the entire flight, this isn't going to work at Disney. They will ask you to stop moving, sit down, eat, and then you can go. So unless you are actively sitting at a table, dining, masks must be on. The last thing that I want to talk about is something specifically for Hunter, and it's the Disability Access Service Pass, DAS for short. And this has been a godsend for us with Hunter. We actually didn't learn about it until, I don't know, maybe like his fifth visit, and and he had long been diagnosed with autism at the time. But a sweet cast member happened to mention it to us one day when she saw that we were kind of struggling So I want to tell you exactly what the Disney website says regarding the DAS Pass. DAS is intended for guests who have difficulty tolerating extended waits in a conventional queue environment due to a disability. So basically what this means is you wait, quote unquote, for a ride by getting a return time equal to the current wait time, but you don't actually do the waiting in line. And this has been so helpful because Hunter can really struggle sometimes with being trapped or loud sounds, people invading his space. And sometimes it's not even loud sounds, it's certain frequencies and we don't really know which ones it it is or isn't. And his meltdowns, tantrums, we call them both, they're really hard to contain once they get started. And a lot of times the best way for him to come out of it and 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 to to get past it and move on is to have some alone time in a quiet spot by himself. So being stuck in a queue really perpetuates the situation and it makes it really hard for us to to kind of redirect him and and get him back on track for the day. With some of the new rollouts that they have in the apps, you can actually choose your ride selections through the My Disney Experience app. It was brand new when we went in November of 2021. And y'all, it it was honestly a game changer. There were a few glitches in the system. Again, I mean, it had probably been released that week, but it was wonderful. We didn't have to keep running across the park to go scan for the next ride that we wanted to wait in the queue for. So I really liked it. I'm interested to see if the app is still having the same amount of glitches. I know it's it's hit or miss sometimes, but... Once it gets all worked out, it's it's awesome. 
So included in some of the new rollouts, Disney also offers the option to pre-register for the DAS Pass two to 30 days prior to your trip. If you don't want to pre-register online, you can simply go to guest relations on your first park day. These are usually inside the park. And this is how we've done it in the past and we've had no issues. I'm thinking about trying out the new system because we are actually just within our 30 days of going. So I might give that a try. Hunter is technically already registered. Um, He's in their system since he's utilized the DAS pass before, but it's only valid. I want to say it's only valid for 60 days. So obviously we haven't been in six months, so we need to re-register him. But my understanding is that pre-registering not only eliminates the need to wait, I guess, relations on your first park day, but it also allows you to make two advanced selections for rides. But I've also heard of people having like, a nine-hour wait on hold trying to get into this video chat for the pre-registration. So I don't know. That's that's still very, very new. And I think Disney's working out a lot of the kinks. One thing that I just want to make sure to note here is that the DAS Pass is not for mobility disabilities. The Disney queues have all been adapted to accommodate wheelchairs and scooters. So they will not issue a DAS Pass if that's one of your needs. So, but this is really great if you have a child with autism, ADHD, and and they you can you can explain to Disney you don't need medical documentation, but you can explain to Disney why it would be very difficult for your child or an adult because this applies to adults as well, why it would be very difficult for a person to wait in a standard queue line. So these are my nine critical steps. Like like you cannot miss these nine things when you're planning a Disney World trip. And I we actually have a 15-step quick guide checklist that's a printable. So you can print it out. It's got little check boxes on it. And it gives you a few extra things that I think are really important, but they're I wouldn't say they're critical. They're just really important. So I will also link our 15-step quick guide checklist printable in the description and in the show notes for you if you want. If I still like to have things printed out sometimes. So I hope that you found this episode super helpful. I want everyone to love Disney as much as we do. Okay, maybe as much as I do. I don't know if Chance loves it as much as I do, but that's okay. Um, so, But I want everyone to love their Disney trip as much as I do. I don't want you to be stressing out on the planning and I definitely don't want you to miss out on a step that you feel like is going to ruin your trip. So these are my nine steps. Let's, let's recap them really quick. Picking good dates that work for you and your family. Making sure that the reservation system has your park dates available. And then after you buy your tickets, you reserve your theme park day. What park you want to go to on what day. Make sure you book out any transportation and rentals. You cannot rely on the Magical Express anymore. Take into consideration the weather, when you're going, what your family is used to, what they can handle when you're picking dates. Lodging, on property, off property. The My Disney Experience app. Learn it, love it, have it downloaded, get familiar with it. It's not going anywhere. Dining, make your dining reservations 60 days in advance. COVID-19, masks still required indoors as of early 2022. And if you have a, a child that has special needs and cannot wait in normal queues, look into that disability access service pass, the DAS pass. It has really been a game changer for us. And if you want our 15-step quick guide checklist printable that's going to make this even easier, make sure to grab it at the link in the description and the show notes. All right, y'all. I hope y'all have a great day. Thank you so 
much for tuning in and spending part of your day with us. If you love today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend. Any resources mentioned today will be linked in the description and you can always find even more details in the show notes. And remember, you can find us over on Instagram at messy underscore wonderful. We hope you'll subscribe to the show so you get notified when a new episode comes out. We'd also be so grateful if you take just a second to leave us a review. We appreciate your reviews and sharing about the show more than you know. See y'all next week.